This is Jerry Mason, the Kicking Lawyer, and I'm inviting everyone to join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. on the Kicking Lawyer fan page on Facebook for Law Talk Live, where we discuss business, politics, current events, and the law. If you miss the live version, you can watch the playback on YouTube or listen on your favorite podcast platform. Yeah, it's Jerry Mason, the Kicking Lawyer. We're live for another Law Talk, so I appreciate those that are taking the time to watch, especially two days in a row in the week. We had a live one yesterday special with Pepper Peterson, and then I have a new guest today. Uh, I do want to remind you to like, subscribe, follow all of our content across social media and podcast platforms. It's available in both video and audio format. We're also on TikTok. Uh, I told you yesterday, Josh said he was going to do some of his OnlyFans videos on there. It'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> the Covington Comic Con is coming back to Covington August 20th and 21st. We are seeking vendors and sponsors for that. You can visit CovingtonComicCon.com for more information. Uh, Michelle Allen's our longtime realtor sponsor. If you're buying, selling, renting, leasing, whatever, real estate, in any format, she can help you out. She'll be glad to help you. And uh, she's been a longtime friend of the, uh, the podcast. And uh, if you want to learn to kick people in the face, you go to Mason's High Octane Martial Arts. Visit Mason'sMartialArts.com. Been open since 93. Be glad to, to help you learn to choke and slam people and whatnot. And uh, the cellar is a restaurant, 1920s themed, located off the square here in Covington. And uh, it's a full bar restaurant, opens at 4 p.m. every day, brunches on Saturdays from 9.30 till 1, 8, 1 p.m. And we'll be glad to have you come join us. And then, of course, if you need any social media, online, website design, all that kind of stuff, Josh will help you with Masonite Digital Marketing. So anyway, this is a Tuesday and we are live. And uh, I always forget to mention to people that if we get to discussing things, and I think me and Mr. Paul here are probably going to talk about some very exciting political things, as well as maybe wrestling, I just found out. You can always comment, and I do watch your comments live as they come in. So if you're watching, feel free to, to drop us a line. So joining me is Mr. Paul Teague. How are you? Doing great about yourself. And I appreciate you taking the time to come join us. Josh has talked you up real big that you're this genius political mind and uh, all-around all world, worldly guy. Uh, I don't know if I'm a genius. I just <laughs> might, be a, might be just a little confused and everything. I, I, might, I might have hyped you up just a little bit, Paul. Just, just a little. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit of your background, who you are, where you're from, what you do, all that. Yeah, well, my name is Paul Teague. Uh, I'm known uh, politically online as the real Paul Revere. Um, I am on True Social, Gab, Getter, Telegram, and then uh, I was booted from Facebook and Twitter and lost all my following. <laughs> oh, no. We're at risk, too, then. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm back on Twitter as me, Real Revere, M-I, Real Revere. Uh, and I just always had an interest in politics and entertainment. Mm-hmm. So I started off in broadcasting when I was 16, went to broadcasting school, became a disc jockey, went on from there and became a wrestler promoter uh, here in the local Mid-South. And um, after that, I realized that politics is wrestling and I wanted to be like Vince McMahon and show it was all fake. Mm -hmm. And now I've kind of got my platform because uh donald trump showed it was all fake yeah yeah i do i do think he definitely opened uh, people's eyes but you know i take that back some people 
But then a lot of people that I think had the most to gain from the lesson didn't, you know, like the mainstream media. I just assumed that once they saw that a lot of us were done with the, we're not lemmings, we don't want to be led to the trough and fed whatever we want. You know, I I wanted, I've even, I told Josh this, I had the idea the other day, Josh, I would like to do, uh, I, I've been talking about it for some time, and you may be aware of some of the platforms that fill this need, but I just want a news source that gives me the facts. I don't want you to tell me how to think about it. I don't want you to spin it. I just want to know what happened and then form my own opinion. And uh, I was like, maybe we should do that once a week as we literally just give them the facts. So, um, but my point is, I thought after Donald Trump, the mainstream media would be like, oh man, the spinning is bad for business. And these people don't, that's not actually what they want. And it just seemed to get worse. That's right. Yeah. When I went to broadcasting school back in 88, uh, we were taught that we were supposed to be unbiased as broadcasters. Mm -hmm. We couldn't have any kind of bias whatsoever. So that's exactly what you're supposed to get. You're supposed to get direct news, let people make their own decision. That kind of went out the door when Bill Clinton came into office, mm -hmm. you know, because everything was spun after that. Um, I personally have a disdain for broadcasting mm -hmm. now. And um, I had a disdain for Republican and Democrat politics because I had been a part of both of them. I actually served on Bill Clinton's uh, campaign uh, under Gore's uh, telephone staff as a telephone staffer in Little Rock, Arkansas. And then um, after that election, I realized I didn't identify that much with the Democrat aspect, so I tried Republican. And then we had uh, Bush Jr. and his uh, uh, his uh, weapons of mass destruction that never appeared. Mm -hmm. And I started realizing it's all just a bunch of fake stuff. So I joined the Libertarian Party, and I became the Delta Regional Coordinator for the Libertarian Party here in Tennessee and built uh, helped build up uh, with Jim Tomasic and Don James. Uh, that party here in the state from 11 counties that had chairs to 65. And um, then I started seeing the same thing happen to the Libertarian Party as mm. well. And so I backed out of it. And so I'm politically homeless now. So Interesting. <laughs> well, I tend to claim I'm a Libertarian. But it's not so much that, because I honestly registered I'm a Republican. But I, I was explaining to somebody the other day the reason that I tipped historically voted Republican versus Democrat on various issues is because often what I disagree with with the Republican Party are social issues that don't directly affect me on their views because I'm a heterosexual white male. Um, but I disagree fervently with most of the liberal um, fiscal, uh, you know, views, their stances on a lot, a lot of the tax platforms and socialist type ideas on that type stuff. And so that does directly affect me. So because of that reason, I tend to vote Republican, though I tend to say I'm a Libertarian. Uh, so that's that's interesting. Um, I was going to ask you, though, what since you seem to be very uh, astute on the political front, uh, and, and, it, and, and I appreciate you explaining that, too, because initially, you know, a lot of people will watch and listen to you, especially some of the platforms and stuff you're on, and just assume you're this, you know, out there conservative. You know, but I think a lot of people like you and me, who really analyze their views are probably libertarian. You know, they probably really, most of us just want to be left alone. You know, we want government to do what government was meant to do, which was protect the people, and we want to be left alone to do our own thing. 
But what I was going to say is the president. So I have this discussion with people a lot. How much do you really think the president has to do with any of it, regardless of who it is? You know, like gas prices, everybody's all upset and wanting to blame Biden on it. What do you think? How do you feel about the president's uh, position on things like that? Well, I think the I think that the policies that he put in place on day one had a direct effect on the gas prices, like closing down the pipeline, the Keystone Pipeline. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, his energy policies and things. Definitely, yeah, definitely. And but I don't think that I think what we see as a government really isn't government. Mm-hmm. I think that there's actually a deeper government mm-hmm. beyond what we have, like George Soros. If you take a look at, if you take a look at the district attorneys that are around the country here, there's a lot of, including one here in Memphis, that have taken donations from George Soros. He's not even a member of our country, mm-hmm. you know, but he is a member of a communist group that has placed people in place with money, so. Those, that money from communists and from other organizations around the world that uh, want to do away with our freedoms here um, affects who goes into office, and that could be even the president. Yeah. You know? Yeah, We and even on a local level, I think people aren't aware of how money calls influence on it, and it's expensive. It's so expensive to run for office now, and it's almost like a barrier to entry. You could have people that are uh, qualified or, or maybe have the best interest to do it, but they can't because they don't have the funding for it. Uh, that's interesting to me how the campaign stuff. I ran for alderman a couple of years ago, and people hear me fuss about it on here because I didn't win. And uh, but like we just, I just read an article before you got here that uh, WREG just released that uh, my platform was I wanted a TIF district here in Covington. I wanted down near the railroad tracks to develop a TIF district, which would motivate a developer to put, you know, potential residential and commercial development there and increase the tax base there and have more opportunity. And I had worked the whole, of course, I'm an attorney, so I'd worked through the whole program. I had an actual plan to put in place that wouldn't cost a taxpayer a dollar, but would help with development. Well, um, In any event, I didn't get to implement that because I didn't win. But I just noticed Memphis now has three TIF districts. They just got a bid now that's approved as a $300 million development going into, not Memphis, Millington, going into Millington uh, for an additional TIF district. And a lot of it's because they're harnessing the, or hoping to harness the Blue Oval City development. And uh, I just wish locally, at least, in TIF, where you live? Atoka. Okay, so Atoka is a little more progressive, but I'm really hoping that our local officials in Tipton County and the city uh, and they are trying, like, look, well, for instance, Jeff Huffman. Jeff Huffman's done an awesome job. He's the county executive, in my opinion. He's done an awesome <laughs> job. Now, he's, he's old school there, but he's kept us, uh, you know, financially we've been very stable. I think he's been instrumental in the Blue Oval City stuff, at least from what I can see. So I think he's done well. But I think that we need a broader view amongst all our leaders to understand, look, the, the reason I bring it up is when I ran for alderman, a lot of the pushback I got was shocked. I just assumed everybody was all about development growth, development growth, you know, like it's positive. But there were a lot of old head people that weren't. They were like, oh, no, I don't want them people coming around here. You know, it was cut it off. But well, the problem is if we don't get the positive development, we're going to end up with the negative development. We're going to have more check cash in places. We're going to have more used car or whatever. It's going to be all this lower socioeconomic stuff instead of using – what's out there to, to foster po- what I call positive growth in the community. So I just think we need to be more progressive on that. But th- that was a whole tangent. My point was our mayor is stepping down, and I got a call Friday. I won't say who it was from, but it's a gentleman that's going to run for mayor. 
and he basically confirmed the existence of a cabal in Tipton County, like a, a group of people that got together and decided who they wanted to run and who they were going to put money behind. And there's already money there. They all wear their black hoods and uh, yeah, meet yeah. Up and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Drink the blood. But I mean, I'm born, I'm born and raised here. And uh, he actually mentioned some of the people in this group, and I know them. Like it's not like they're nefarious, but um, it's just in 2022, I wouldn't think that things like that people don't know about exist, but they do. Right. So I can only imagine on the federal level, you know, what what we're dealing with that we don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in 2010, 2009-2010, Don James, who was a friend of mine from Brighton, ran for Congress against Stephen Fincher. Well, actually, he didn't run against Stephen Fincher in the primary. He ran against Stephen Fincher for the the nomination spot. And um, I can tell you, just from my own experience as the campaign finance director for Don James for that Congress run, it was brutal. I mean, brutal, brutal, brutal. We put $43,000 in that campaign. That was it. Stephen Fincher, on the other hand, came in and he invested over $600,000. Now think about that. And nowadays, that's nothing a million dollars for a congressional campaign mm-hmm. run. Back then, that was the record in all states, $600,000. So he bought his his ticket there. Mm -hmm. And then I think everybody saw when he got in office, he was an Obama yes man, Mm -hmm. but he ran as a Republican. So as he was running as a Republican, we saw what was going on with that. Don backed out, became the libertarian candidate, even though wasn't allowed on the ticket and everything. He switched parties and went with libertarian. Mm-hmm. And uh, still had the same ideals. We hit every every uh, back then. There was 19 counties. We hit every county, and we saw the little cabal of people in every county that gathered around him. Stephen Fincher. Oh, he's a farmer. Yeah, he's a farmer. No, he wasn't just a farmer. Uh, we proved that he put in over 130 thousand dollars worth of farm subsidies, corporate welfare, into that campaign. So that was mine and your money mm-hmm. that he was putting in there. You know, but money talks. So when I was uh, 25, so whatever year that was, 04, 05-ish, something like that, I had, because uh, so I was big into martial arts, it's the kick and lawyer thing, right? So I've done martial arts my whole life. Anyway, I got uh, requested, the, the start of it was the UFC was trying to legalize MMA, mixed martial arts, in Tennessee. So what they did is they hired this lobbyist, this uh, lady, who came in and went to each, to West Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, East Tennessee, and sort of tried to find out who sort of the experts were, the people with money, the, people, the players to try to get this pushed through, right? And this was my first experience on sort of the back end of how legislation works and how the government works. Anyway, what they did was, I was brought in because they wanted me to help write the law. Now, this is pre-law school. I was a cop at the time, but I was an expert on mixed martial arts and knew about the rules all over, and I helped write the rules that were in the legislation. And they wanted me to testify in front of the House and Senate subcommittee, which I did, and Rampage Jackson, he was a friend of mine, Quentin Rampage Jackson, and he went, we went together and testified. But prior to that, we were doing fundraising, and this, legis- this lobbyist got us together for... Um, 
one of the first meetings we had, and I'll never forget this. I think I've told the story before because <clears throat> when I went, I didn't know how this worked, and I knew there were going to be like senators, state senators, and state representatives and stuff there, and business owners they were trying to get money from, and potentially UFC people and fighters and whatnot. And I'm like a poor 25-year-old guy. So I had a buddy of mine come with me and had him be my guy because I just assumed you had to have a guy, right? And I'll never forget, this guy's a big old dude, and he didn't have a, a white shirt, like a dress shirt. So he went to the Gap that was in the Peabody at the time and bought him this super tight white dress shirt. It was hot, and he was sweating through it. He didn't have another shirt. So we, me and him go, and we went to the fancy restaurant that was inside the, the I forget the name of the hotel, across from the FedEx Forum, real fancy. So we go in there, and I thought we had to buy the food. This is how poor I was. I thought we were going to have to pay for the bill ourselves. I didn't know they were covering it on this lobbyist ticket. And uh, so we ordered salad, the split. So me and him split the salad. But anyway, this is all, I digress. The point was this. So we go there, there's state reps, there's a house of rep people, there was a couple of fighters, me, there was one other guy that was sort of in the know in MMA, mixed martial arts, and they, they took us, we, we ate, and then we went by limousine to a fight in Mississippi, because the Mississippi had it legal, and there was a, a company, I think it was Elite XC, that was doing a show in Mississippi. So we put us up in a pen, uh, like a box, we were in there, they'd catering, drinks, whole deal, and the whole time this lobbyist is making her rounds, talking to everybody, whole deal, everybody's getting a little liquored up. And so, and, and all I wanted out of it was, I mean, it was good contacts, and I wanted MMA to be legal, and I thought maybe I could get on the athletic commission or something at some point and be an advisor or something. I didn't know. So what really got interesting, though, is on the way back to Memphis from this place, we were in the limousine, is now the lobbyist, everybody's getting liquored up real good, and she was literally going from person to person in the limo, like either one of the guys was a state rep, and he was twiddling her hair, and he'd just been talking about his family, like his wife and kids, and He's twiddling her hair and kind of kissing on her. And then there's another guy. She literally pulled an envelope of money out, cash, and gave it to him. I saw her give this uh, senator money, right, state senator at the time. And uh, I was like, then we get to the hotel. We all get off. And she comes up to me finally after making her rounds. And is like, what do you need to get us support in, uh, in this area, in West Tennessee? And I was like, she's like, what do you want? In other words, offering if I wanted money or power or whatever. And I was like, I I'm just trying to, I thought this was to do what was good for everybody, you know. I said, the athletic commission? I said, I, and she's great, we'll get you on the athletic commission. Like, like that's what she was promising me to get this thing done. And so uh, I didn't end up on the athletic commission, by the way. So uh, I'm 25 and useless, you know, other than my knowledge of martial arts. So they ended up getting it passed through, and then I went to later, it was a couple months later, I went to the House and Senate subcommittee, me and Rampage, and we did testify. And uh, I was with him. He brought his belt. He was the light heavyweight champion at the time. Right. Testified in front of him. They all wanted to see the belt, and, of course, the belt bill passes. But that was my first taste of, I guess, real politics, potentially, in you know, the way some of it works. I still like to think that a lot of our politicians are in it for the right reasons, or at least start in it for the right reasons. But it's just funny. That was state level, and I saw – things you know going on that clearly I think weren't exactly ethical so um, there may be some my point was I guess there's some root to you know your concerns about all that yeah um, I think one of the things that Don James when he was running um, always said that you know politicians are like uh, dirty diapers they need to be changing for the same reason mm -hmm. very often and um you know, I've kind of seen that. You know, I'm, I'll be 52 years old this year. I've kind of seen that over the years. I mean, the longer someone's in office, the wealthier they get. Mm -hmm. Why are they getting wealthy in office? Isn't it supposed to be something that you serve? 
you know. Yeah, look at Pelosi. <laughs> right. Look at any of them. I mean, yeah, I don't guys. know, man. I'm kind of torn on it because, you know. I mean, even on a local level, look at, I mean, Jeff Huffman's been there 16 years. Yeah, but there's a there's a balance. I, I'm on four term limits, so don't misunderstand. Yeah. Like, I think eight, eight, ten should be max, the length of, total length of time you're allowed to serve on whatever. However, you know, there are benefits to someone that's been there long enough that they knows how they know how the wheels are greased. Like, I can see there's a benefit to the experience. Uh, I do think there needs to be a limit depending on where it is. But I was going to comment on you're talking about the money they make. I'm torn on that, too, because I'm a capitalist. And if you look at the founding of the purpose of the way our bicarmel version of government was set up, the state reps were supposed to be, well, this is federally, but then it reflected in most of the Congresses and the state governments. But the, the representatives were supposed to be of the people. There's more of them. There's limits on the amount of time they get to talk. It was your everyday man should be able to serve in that role. Your Senate was different. You know, the senators were limited number. They were your aristocrats. They were the wealthier people, the arguably more in, more trained, not more intelligent, but more educated people, right? And so they uh, that was your your second wing. And I guess I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, I could see on the senator side, it's almost like they need to be aristocratic to some degree. Now, if they're using it for their own benefit, you know, that's obviously a problem. But then. You know, I'm a capitalist. Like, I, I know that if I were in there and I had the ability to, to, to help motivate change for the positive, but then I benefited from that positive too, I don't know. I struggle with not being able to do that. You know, maybe it's wrong. But you know what I mean? So, I don't know. Uh, they shouldn't all get as wealthy. as They shouldn't have people like Pelosi that's in there getting wealthy. And the other thing that they shouldn't know is, my point was, like, if everybody's going to benefit, the people and me, that's fine. But I know that I follow a lot of stock stuff. And, like, there's a lot of people that try to follow their trades, you know, months in advance because then all of a sudden a few months later there's something big, something that changes in that industry and they benefit from it because they knew it was coming, you know. And that's not fair. I don't think the deck should be stacked against the everyday man. So, right. I don't know. So let's talk about something a little more, uh, I don't know if it's controversial at the time, but I'm just curious your opinion on it is the Second Amendment. So, Second Amendment? Yeah. What do you think about that? Well, I think. Uh, should it be infringed? How about that? I think the exact words were, shall not be infringed. Yes, you're correct. And that's for any reason. And no, it's not limited to muskets. Mm -hmm. It's not limited to whatever they had back at the time in 1700s, uh, 1800s. You know, you're there. The Second Amendment is there for you to protect and defend yourself against corrupt government against those that may may come at you and uh, be tyrannical, against those that may have commit treason. And I think we're in a time right now where we're actually seeing people commit treason on a daily basis mm -hmm. in our in our federal government right now. I mean, it's crazy what is going on. And I think because, because they are guilty of stuff, they want to come at us harder on the Second Amendment. The First Amendment's there first so that if that's taken away we have the second amendment to back it up mm -hmm. well, i agree with you the only point that i think i guess i'm open to some uh discussion is the, i don't disagree that it was not intended for muskets or hunting or i think it was for protection from the government it's not even really a self-defense issue it's an issue of look the government is there to protect our interest and if the government fails you stand, you rise up, you rise up. That's what we're supposed to do. It's actually a duty to me as a citizen. So uh, I agree with you on that. The point that people come up with that I do struggle with 
is when they talk about, well, should we have nuclear weapons? You know, like did our forefathers anticipate nuclear weapons? Because, I mean, arguably, unless you have equal force with equal force, so what? We've got full auto M16s or 50 calibers or whatever tanks. Like that's the ultimate card is the nuclear weapons. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on balancing that argument? Well, I don't think the common man can afford nuclear weapons, can they? Yeah. Well, that's true. I think that's so. what the last guest said. Yes, that question yeah. too. <laughs> it's, not, it's not reasonable that they could buy a nuclear weapon. Right. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I mean, if a common man can afford nuclear weapons and it doesn't break a, break a treaty saying that you're not supposed to have nuclear weapons, then go for it. But, you know, I don't think that uh, a nuclear weapon is in the in the common man's hand. Yeah. Because, I mean, common man can't afford it. Yeah. Common man can barely afford gas right now. Yeah, that's true. It's killing us. I've got to drive to – I appreciate you coming a little early. I'm going to this Blue Oval City thing they're doing in Haywood. Uh, it starts at, I think, 6. So I was trying to leave here at 5.15, 5.30. And, um, yeah, there's gas going over there. I was already thinking about that. It's expensive. I drove in from Memphis. Oh, well, I appreciate you coming, too. Yeah. So, so tell me this then, and you mentioned it before the thing, but how did you know Josh, or how did you meet him? I know you were in a couple of his movies. Um, I can't remember exactly how we met. I think it was online. and uh, I think I did uh, the casting call for that first No More Sorrow film I did back in 2010, and I want to say you were one of the very first people I had that responded to it. And so I messaged you back and forth and then ended up casting you in one of the roles. Right, right. Yeah. Did you on a, talking about the entertainment stuff? Did you wrestle or just promote them? I promoted wrestling, and I was a heel manager most of the time. Uh -huh. uh, they tried to turn me into a face manager, and it did not work. You still have contacts with a lot of those folks? Uh, some, you know, I've been out of it for sixteen years now. So, I mean, there's some that I actually have direct contact with that I was close with, like Bobby Horn, who was Sir Mo uh, here locally and on WWE. Uh, with King Mabel, where they were men on a mission was mm -hmm. the name of their uh, group. We had Jerry Lawler on, and he actually was a, a great interview. He spent way longer with me than I thought he would. It was like an hour and a half, and he told a lot of stories. I've, I've tried to get Bill Dundee on. We've reached out a couple times, and I knew him um, back when I was doing the fight stuff. I was promoting fights, and we did a fight at one of his clubs in Jackson. And uh, he had come to do, in the beginning of the MMA, when I was promoting it, we didn't have enough fighters to do a full card, so we would have to do, like, grappling matches, kickboxing matches, and pro wrestling matches. So he was in one of the pro wrestling matches and uh, liked what we did and asked us to do it there. But I've since lost contact with him, and I'd like to get him on. I think he'd be interesting. Um, but, yeah, I, I have a lot of respect for all the wrestlers. You know, I mean, people in jest make jest, jokes and stuff about it. But, man, those dudes have to be athletes. And they don't, they don't realize the, the timing and everything to have – I mean, they're doing some dangerous things, and you got to have that synced up for timing, especially to make it look good. So I, I have a lot of respect for them. They're, they're all – especially the pro-level guys, man. They're in awesome shape. They're athletes. And you got some of them now have transferred into main culture, like The Rock and uh, John Cena. They're doing, doing well. So, uh, But anybody else, any of those other ones? Because what era was that that you were with them? Um, 90s? It was 16 years ago, so around so I, early uh, 2000s. Yeah, early 2000s, late late 90s, early 2000s. Did you ever know? Um, I think you might have mentioned him in the beginning. Uh, Jimmy Jimmy Hart. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's another one who's interesting. I, yeah. I remember him, and they had him at one time in the 80s, 
had a tiff with downtown Bruno. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah. And uh, I remember we went to the Coliseum. I got to go watch it at the Coliseum. And the match they'd been promoting was downtown Bruno versus uh, – it was either two little people or a, a couple women. I, I don't remember. Something like that. And then I want to say Jimmy Hart jumped in, and they actually made him like the hero in that, that storyline. It was interesting. <laughs> so you're on your political stuff. You got these sites that you're on. Is that what you do is you talk about – what do you do? Do you do podcast versions of it, or are you talking long form about – stuff or responding to things i threatened to do podcast before and you know with my broadcasting background i'm sure i could mm-hmm. i'd probably have to hire someone like josh to come film it or something yeah hey masonite digital marketing can help you out Paul. there you go <laughs> shameless self-promotion yeah that's right <laughs> um but you know now i just basically uh try to share information that i don't think people actually get on mm-hmm. a regular basis um I watch a couple of different podcasts, uh, like And We Know, uh, with the host LT. He's former military. He won't mention his name, but he's a Christian um, broadcaster. He just had Cash Patel on um, today, uh, as a matter of fact. And um, I really respect him because he is trying to do the right thing and if he makes a mistake in his podcast, he'll admit it and say, I gave you bad information. You know, people are so afraid to sit here and admit when they made a mistake on something and when they give out information, you know, they, they think it's going to hurt their reputation. I actually think it helps your reputation. Sure. Because we got so much fake news out there now. Yeah. But yeah, I, uh, I've threatened to do that. Well, you don't seem crazy. So why are you getting kicked off these uh, just because you make some comment that's sort of conservative and they don't like it? You know, our brother gets kicked off all the time, but sometimes it's justified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes I think he deserves to get kicked off. Just. Facebook actually locked me out of my account, my regular Paul Teague account, um, probably four months ago. It doesn't look like I'm locked out. It looks like I'm still there, mm-hmm. you know, but I can't get on there. They, hmm. want, they want more information that said... I had too much potential to reach too many people, and because of that, I need higher security clearance, and that meant they needed more of my information, social security number and stuff like that. I'm like, no, no, I'm done. It's so funny how quickly people forget things, because you remember with when Trump got deplatformed, there was a big movement. A lot of people were going to jump to this platform or that platform, you know, and then it seemed initially they did that. They were bumped, those, those platforms, users bumped up. But then they all seem to kind of just forget and go back to, you know, Instagram, Facebook, some of the standard stuff. Um, I wish they wouldn't forget. I never said that I was going to leave because I figure, you know, I, I don't, I'm not beholden to anybody on this thing that I do. Like, you know, I could have one sure. person or 20 people or 100, doesn't matter. Josh and I enjoy doing it. I've done it now a couple of years. We're coming up on our 100th episode, actually. And, uh, but I'm not, there's nobody above me to say, you can't say that, or you can't do that. My partners sometimes get a little frustrated with things that I say, but they know how I am and it serves its purpose. So I kind of get my, just say whatever, you know, and if, if I did get quote deplatformed, it would, it would suck, but. And we're also on enough platforms that wouldn't really matter that much. Yeah. So. <laughs> we're on multiples for this. Cause this goes on YouTube. It goes on Spotify. It goes Facebook. Apple there's, podcast. Google yeah. Podcast. There's, there's links to it on uh, Instagram and everything. TikTok. All you that should stuff. probably be on Rumble. Rumble. See, I don't guess I know all the other ones. Rumble is really awesome. Uh-huh. I mean, they, they 
are a conservative podcast. I mean, they are a conservative platform, rather, and that there are a lot of po- podcasts on that, you know, they don't care what you say specifically. Well, so I got in the, a few months ago, uh, we got courted by three different groups trying to bring my podcast to their platform, basically. One was a conservative, the most, I guess, reputable or recognized one was a conservative news organization. And the problem I had was I was willing to do it, but I didn't want anybody to control what I said. You know, I didn't want there to be either side. I wanted to be able to just talk about whatever, just like we talk about. And uh, that seemed to be a problem for almost all of them, you know, to have me, especially when I'm not, I mean, locally people know me. Nobody knows me out of this area, you know. We, we average our podcast once it's on the different platforms and whatnot. We might end up with two or three thousand listeners, viewers, combina- after a couple of weeks of it being in the ether. Um, and some are more, some are less. It just depends. Uh, anyway, my point is, it's like it's not like this giant platform that's now I'm growing it. My plan is to have another each of our offices. I'm going to put a studio in. And then what I usually start with is interviewing just local people, local leaders, local business owners whoever wants to come talk, you know, that wants to, that's interesting. I tell you who I've been trying to get on and you might even know. So they may be some opponents of yours. I'm wanting some real left leaning people so we can have some dialogue on those issues, but I'm having difficulty. I get a lot of conservative people to come in here and it could just be the area or it could be that nobody liberals listening to me. I don't know, but I can't, I can't seem to get any, anybody left leaning. Cause there's so many social issues. I'm very left leaning on. But fiscally, I'm not. I'm very conservative fiscally. And I tend to lean, I mean, like uh, Second Amendment, I'm very conservative. Uh, there's there's just certain things that uh, my, my views are. But I'm very open to discourse on them because I could be wrong. My views 20 years ago were different than they are today. And so I'm open that maybe 20 years from now my views will be even more different, you know. Like you and I might, I'm not even going to bring it up because my wife gets mad at me. There's one topic I always bring up and discuss in my well, life. I don't want you to bring it up just because you bring it up on so many episodes, and I know if I'm sick of hearing about it, that the <laughs> listeners are sick of hearing about it. So you it's know. just so it's it's because I struggle with it. But anyway, we won't we won't talk about it. Was it in episode thirty? It was. It's, it's been in almost, it's every, been in episode. almost every episode. Yeah, I watched that. Pastor Rod Hickman in episode uh-huh. thirty-two with you, and I'm, I'm sure I brought I'm it up. Sure, with that was. I'm sure subject. I brought it up with him. It's just because on that, we won't bring it up, but on that issue, it's like I I probably told him in that one, it's that 20 years ago, my view on an associated issue was different. And now, so my concern is, well, am I wrong? You know, the way I'm thinking about it now. And uh, I'm reading a book on it. You know, they just did release the documentary in that area and I bought the book and I've been reading the book, but I'm, I'm frustrated with the book because the book is clearly swayed. It's, he's clearly conservative. So he automatically, he's sort of jesting on even the question. And that's not what I wanted. I just wanted to hear what does this side say? What does this side say? Let me come to my own conclusion. Right. You know. So. Uh, I, I believe know. that um, God put us here on earth to have agency, mm-hmm. and that agency says that we have the will to choose what we want to do, or what we should do, and you're going to choose one or the other, and it's not for us to judge other people. And that subject you were talking about that we're not going to mention because <laughs> Josh don't want us to mention it and everything. Just because you may not agree with at the time does not mean you're not supposed to love those people. Yeah. You're supposed to love everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you another issue we can talk about that is along similar lines is abortion. Is uh, people get very heated over that, you know, and of course there was a recent uh, law adjustment on it. 
Um, so it, it, what is your stance as, I guess, so you, you don't really consider yourself a libertarian now either. You're just kind of in the ether on, you said you're politically homeless. Well, I'm politically homeless as far as libertarian, as big L, what they call big L libertarian, mm -hmm. like part of the party, I don't consider myself. But yes, I am libertarian, mm -hmm. little L, mm -hmm. as in my thoughts. Much like you, I'm kind of conservative when it comes to uh, guns, abortion, um, when it comes to when it comes to physical policy and everything. But also like you, I think you should leave people alone to uh, to do exactly what they want to do and live mm -hmm. how they want to live. You know, I don't want somebody judging me because I married my wife. I'm not going to judge them because they married someone else. Or oh, it looks like I brought the subject up. Yeah, but, well, on the abortion yeah. issue, you know, it sounds like you might have heard me talk about it. Yes. But my view is, uh, I look at it from a legal analysis, and once the fetus is viable, human rights attach. And at that point, you can't, you can't abort it. Like it's like it's a murder. I can't no more than I can abort you sitting here to me. So I try to, and almost a lot of there are a lot of arguments like that that I try. I guess for my peace of mind, the legal analysis is safe, and I feel like that's logical. And so a lot of times I fall when there's those kind of questions that tend to be ethical, or religious moral questions. I tend to be well. Let's look at the legal analysis, you know, and then that's what I leave it alone as. And there's a lot of people that struggle with that because, you know, especially religious views are very faith-based, and they, they turn to the Bible, and, the, and and I do too. But the problem is if you have someone who's not religious, that they don't, just because you think this book has power, they don't. And so now that argument is not going to be effective, you know, unless you, I guess, convert them. So, um, uh, yeah, anyway, so I sort of have that analysis on abortion and many of the other controversial topics. I saw something today on... Uh, one of the platforms that actually said, um, if if abortion should be legal, then why is it that when someone murders a pregnant woman, it's double homicide? You know? If oh okay, I see. So you're charging them with it, but if you didn't think that the abortion was murder, then why are we charging them with murder? When uh, that's a good question. That's right. Now I don't know. I'd be curious to see the statistics across states, though. If it's mostly conservative states that have that as a charge. I wonder if it's where they're more pro uh, pro life. Uh, I mean, or uh, yeah, pro life. So I don't know. That's a good point, though. I mean, it is a dichotomy on the way they think. Right. Um, it just adds up joining this five twenty-two. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Well, I appreciate I that mean, he drove that, all this way, and I'd, I really <laughs> like to talk with you more. I do have to drive all the way to Brownsville though for this uh, Louisville City thing. Um, I don't have to, I guess, but I registered and. And my, I'm going to go. And I actually, I think my wife and Ed is, are waiting to ride with me. So, <laughs> well, I guess, uh, uh, Paul, I appreciate you coming all the way up here to do this. Maybe we can get you back on. We have our 100th episode, and you're one of the few people, it seems like, are open to talking about some of these controversial issues. Because I really like that discourse. E even right. if you disagreed with me, I really like getting to hear your side of the argument. Um, and if you know someone, like I said, that you know is like maybe it's an opponent of yours, it'd be awesome to get them in here and have some good discussion on these kind of issues. Um, we get you to come back for that. Um, but let everybody know again where they can find you on the sites you're not blocked on. Uh, you can find me on um, Telegram, Gab, um, Getter, and True Social as The Real Paul Revere. And you can also find me on Twitter as my ghost account. 
at me, Paul Revere, which is M-I, Paul Revere. Cool. Well, again, thank you, and uh, we'll get you back on so we can talk in a little more detail about it. I had wanted to do, uh, the beginning of this year, we were going to do a Kicking Lawyer XL show. That was where I always had at least three guests, so we could sort of roundtable discuss a bunch of stuff. And uh, the, honestly, the problem was scheduling, just getting enough people scheduled to do it uh, once a week in addition to doing this this one-on-one podcast. So you'd be probably good to have something like that on because I'm not going to deplatform you. You might get me deplatformed, but... <laughs> I'll try not to. <laughs> okay. I'll try my darndest not to get you deplatformed. <laughs> I try to be careful of what I say because I know it's going to be out there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not real careful about what I say. Sometimes it does bite me in the butt, but so far we'll see. Like I said, I have a small enough following. I think so far it's just local and it is what it is. You know, and people can always not listen. You know, right. they don't, if they don't like it, just turn it off. Right. Uh, you see there, we got the Covenant Comic Con coming up, and uh, we've got Michelle Allen, longtime sponsor. She's going to come back on soon on the show because and yell at me about my mic stands. And uh, then we got Mason's High Octane Martial Arts in Covington, open since 93, making black belts and champions. Check us out. The cellar is located in Covington, right off the square. It's a 1923-themed uh, prohibition restaurant and bar. They open right now. You can go check it out right now. And then, of course, Josh is glad to help you with some marketing and branding. So I want to thank my guest, Mr. Paul Teague, for being on with us today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. You can watch all the playbacks and stuff across uh, podcast platforms and on social media. We'll be back live next Tuesday. Who's uh, my guest next Tuesday, Josh? Uh, who is next Tuesday? Oh, uh, Sarah Freitas. I oh, cool. She's going to promote. Trailer, yeah, yeah, she's going to promote her book. Yeah. Uh, she's got another sequel to the book that she had out. We'll have her on and discuss that with her. Anyway, hope you guys have a good rest of your week. Keep kicking. <laughs>